you're fighting with yourself on it because you're like, well, I'm doing a job that's worthwhile. Why can't I be happy with this? Why can't I just accept this? Um, And then it got to the point where, like I said, I got so burnt out. And I like to say that I was living out of alignment with my truest self. It wasn't what I was really, I'm not, I'm really here to do, which I obviously now know. Um, And so because of that, when you're doing something that takes you out of alignment, it completely burns you out. So it deducts your energy. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com, but for now, here is today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. All right, we are back post-wisdom tooth surgery. I'm feeling good, but it's a little interesting. So I'm going to the doctors actually again today. I got this crazy pain in the almost cheekbone now, which supposedly could be normal, but apparently not normal enough that they're bringing me back in. The good news is the teeth themselves have very little pain. In fact, I would go as far as to say two out of the three of them are kind of fine. I mean, they're just, they're good. They're healed. The one that seems to be connected to the cheekbone pain, still a little raw, still a little tender, but I'll I'll get that all checked out today. Hopefully there's nothing major here. The good and bad news is that I can be pain-free so that's good. But the bad news is I have to take like four to 600 milligrams of ibuprofen to actually do it. And obviously, I do not want to keep eating ibuprofen nonstop. So we're working through that. But hey, we're able to do interviews and sound half normal again on the podcast. Today, we are interviewing Kat Burdett. She is someone who just had Reed Davis, founder of FDN, on her podcast. That is called the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast. I'll have the link to the interview in the show notes. It is already released at the time of us releasing this episode here. But we're also... She's not someone that has had like autoimmunity or anything like that. She is someone who helps individuals focus on the self-love side of things and really getting to the core of what might be going on emotionally. And we thought she'd be an interesting person to bring on and talk to, especially because of her career that she had prior to getting into this work. And we did talk about that in the beginning of the podcast. So let me read her bio. It'll give you some background and then we'll get right to this one. Kat is a radiation therapist turned holistic wellness coach. Working in a radiotherapy department and treating cancer patients for 13 years taught her how short life can be and gave her the momentum and courage to start her own coaching business, helping people to love themselves, feel mentally and emotionally balanced, and enjoy the gift of life through a holistic lifestyle. She focuses on self-love, self-care, and mindset, providing people with both practical and spiritual tools that equip them to handle whatever life throws at them. Her mission is to help people create their own sunshine, get to a calm and balanced state, feel internal harmony and love, and forgive and accept themselves, whether that is in mind, body, and soul, or soul, I should say. She helps them also enjoy the gift of life and ultimately have fun. Well, I would like to do all of those things. I'm kind of doing all of those things, but there's always room for improvement. 
And hey, I'm sure you'd like to do that as well. Without further ado, let us get to today's episode. All right. Hello there, Kat, and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast. How are you? I am great. Thank you, Evan. Excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. This is going to be fun. And I already had mentioned to the audience in the intro, this is uh, going to take a little bit of a different route. And I think they really appreciate it uh, Appreciate it at this point, 200-something episodes in, where <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's amazing to hear these very similar health stories of people going through the mystery symptoms, utilizing lab testing and all that stuff. But there's more to healing than just those aspects. And we, we do need that as a core part of FDN, but we like to bring on people who can offer unique perspectives on the health side of things so that you guys have more tools in your tool belt. I was talking to Kat off air before we were recording, saying that, you know, it took me several years before I even was identifying as like the emotional or spiritual side as being on my radar for health stuff. I was very, okay, if I eat this food, it will do this to my labs probably. And and then I should be better and all my problems will be fixed. But I've had just such a deeper understanding over the years of like how much the emotional uh, and trauma side matters. And then there's people that come on here and it's amazing what they deal with. And then they were eating all the right foods. They're taking all the right supplements, but they finally deal with that stuff. And that was what uh, led them to getting there. So I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to start with your journey. And normally we start off the show with, you know, what health symptoms was the person dealing with? And we had discussed that, you know, you had some mental health stuff going on, but I'm mostly curious right now about uh, what job and career path you were in prior to becoming the person you are now, because I know that you were working with cancer patients. Yes, I was. So I am actually a qualified radiation therapist or therapeutic radiographer, as we say in the UK. Um, so it, within that job, I work in a radiotherapy department and I uh, treat people's uh, cancer to either cure uh, the cancer or to palliate the pain. Um, so I did that job for 13 years and uh, three years training involved in that. And I can always dip back into that if I want to as well. Um and it was like a, well, it is a very intensive job. Um, you literally don't stop. You can't make any mistakes. Um, and you're obviously caring for people as well. And that's the part of the job that I really, really loved. Um, and yeah, I always just had this instant rapport with people and people just naturally wanted to open up to me. They trusted me straight away. And it made me um, a really good radiographer. I like to think I was also good at the technical stuff. <laughs> I guess my colleagues can tell you that. Um, but yeah, so that was the part that I I really loved. But um, the job itself, you know, it wasn't it wasn't serving me. Um, it was I was obviously in a hospital. There's artificial light. I didn't have time to go to the toilet. I didn't have time to fill up my water bottle. When I was on the treatment units, I was treating 30 to 40 patients a day. And you're going in and out, in and out of a room and then hearing the same issues all the time, you know, dealing with people's anxieties, dealing with people's side effects of the treatment. Some of them are having chemotherapy at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as you can imagine, it was completely exhausting. And it's not that obviously, as I say, I love, love, love the people side of it. And that's why I do what I do now because I want to help, but it wasn't helping me. And it just left me burnt out. It left me exhausted. And, you know, in all honesty, I'm still really recovering from that today. I think burnout, um, especially in a workplace, especially in a hospital, um, 
it can take a very, very long time to actually recover from that and for the body to to regulate again. Um, And so, and then I've obviously, I realized that uh, I was capable of of helping people in a different way. Cool. Awesome. And so just to be clear, when you got into that job, I mean, I know I'm trying to, I can only think from an American perspective right now, when someone gets into a job like that, it's usually one of two things, either one, I mean, maybe they did have a personal experience in their family and they, that's how they want to help the patients. Uh, But two, it's also just considered like a decent career path here. Like it's a, it's a good job. It's technical, um, would, would pay well. So was this just something that you got into originally? Because I know you like the people side for a job sake or was there something that called you specifically to it? Um, yeah, absolutely. There was something that called me. So this wasn't even on my radar. Like before this, I wanted to, I mean, I started out my career wanting to be a graphic designer. I okay. went all the way to Falmouth College of Arts, did three months and thought, no, before that, I mean, after that, I was training to be a dancer. Um, and then I realized that I wanted a job helping people. And I didn't know what that was. And, you know, I I looked up about nursing and I was like, it sounds good, but it just doesn't really resonate. And then I read about radiotherapy and I just had this gut feeling, this intuitive yes. And I was like, this is the job for me. I want to help people. And so that's what got me into radiotherapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what I didn't realize is it was just a part of my path and it wasn't everything I was supposed to be doing and maybe a stepping stone that has taken me to where I am today. And the other thing is, the bit I love the most is is talking with people, is helping people emotionally. And it never went deep enough for me. I mean, also, we only got 15 minutes with each patient on average. Um, And so I wanted something deeper. I wanted more connection. Um, So yeah, that's, that's initially, to answer your question, that's initially why I got started with it. I always knew that working with people and helping them is something I wanted to do. Yeah. Well, and I was about to say, yeah, I mean, you said on average, it could be like 30 to 40 patients a day. I mean, there's barely any time to to get your first and last name, let alone actually connect with this individual. And the burnout for people that are in these careers is, is so true. Um, I feel like this is actually universally true. I know America handles the healthcare thing a, a little differently, um, for better in some ways, for worse in others, obviously. But my, my sister's a nurse and I love her to death. She is uh, not as open yet to the holistic side of things. And this poor girl is going out, I mean, three nights, four nights a week sometimes doing night shift, like literally starting the shift, I believe, at 7 or 9 p.m. and working all the way into the morning. And what's so crazy to me is we know as health professionals that this is killing people, but the people that are working these jobs are supposed to be helping the sick people. And that's where it's kind of scary. You're talking about how burnt out you got, which is totally justified and makes sense, but you're treating people in a certain way. So it's like, we need to, we need to honor um, our folks that are treating the sick people a little better and and help make it a more sustainable, uh, sustainable system because something, something seems like not a great idea to me to have these burnt out, exhausted people helping the sick people that need it most and are probably burnt out and exhausted in their own way. That that's kind of crazy, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also that's how mistakes happen. So if you, if you push your staff too much and with something like radiotherapy, you know, you're delivering radiation to a person, there is no room for mistakes Mm -hmm. and occasionally mistakes happen and they usually happen because of burnout, because of exhaustion and this is why like healthcare professionals in particular i feel really need to prioritize their self care and really need to show themselves a lot of love um because it is highly stressful and you know i have so much respect for the people that have done it for like 
10, 20, 30 years and, you know, they're still out there on the treatment floor doing this, walking in and out of a treatment room, out of a bunker all day long um, and dealing with everything. Um, it's it's not an easy job. And I really think that um, the pay should be better for one thing. I'm just going to say that. And uh, yeah, they should be given a lot more credit because it's it's like with my job, you know, you've got the physical aspect, you've got the the mental aspect and the emotional as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, there are also times when you get upset by what you see, because some people come to us, you know, and then they find out the day before that they've got metastatic cancer. So cancer that's spread to everywhere. And then they're told, you know, oh, you've got a week to live. Okay. And then, so we have to then just go and give them a single blast of radiation to help palliate the pain. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, you know, sometimes it upsets you. Um, and I'm, I'm actually a highly, highly sensitive person, which I pride myself on now and never used to. And, you know, you think, oh God, how could I even survive in that environment? But the sad thing is you do, you do kind of get used to it and build a resilience, but occasionally there are times when you might get that one patient that reminds you of your mum, or reminds you of your dad or reminds you of a friend. And that's when it makes it really hard. So I just wanted to put that point across to say, like, nobody thinks about the people that are doing the treating, the caring, like how they are emotionally affected by this and physically, like you say, affected by it and burnt out as well. There's a there's a real lesson there that actually I don't think I think about enough. But one of the things that we advocate for all the time on this show is this merger between functional natural medicine and Western because and and I'm sure you see this as well. We have it's getting better, but there's still this dilemma where like Western thinks the functional people are all voodoo science hippie, which is not true. But then you get some people that are in the functional and natural side, and now they're against everything Western, thinking that they're the bad people. And I'm like, all right, this one is a little crazy. If we're actually trying to help people, we should want the best of both worlds. That should be the goal. But I think um, what you just said really brings something to light. I mean, this is the job itself, even just physically is hard, but let alone what you're actually seeing 30, 40 people a day. And you're working with people who have cancer. These are, these are not particularly light diagnoses. Um, I was just actually thinking about this two weeks ago because I got, I know it sounds a lot simpler than cancer, but it is something to, to actually ponder. I got my wisdom teeth out and it was just amazing to me that this doctor has like three different patients in other rooms and he is about to have me go under on drugs which potentially could cause complications if they mess up even a little bit rip three teeth out of my mouth in 30 minutes and then bam on to the next one like again i don't think that's the same emotional type of thing as um as seeing someone with cancer or a week to live come into your uh, area but that that is weird. I don't want to remove teeth from someone's mouth. It's like creepy. You know what I mean? Like there's all this stuff going on. And uh and then he's gonna go do that, you know, 10, 12 more times that day, at least probably. So yeah, I think what you just said is really fair. Not only should we not hate Western medicine, we gotta give some grace to the people that are working in this because we're creating our own schedules as functional people, right? Like we got our vacations and we got our morning light that we got to get and we're going to bed at 9 p.m. They don't get any of those luxuries, uh, do you? Yeah, and, and I think Western medicine is great if you, you know, you definitely know what the issue is, what you're actually treating. Um, and also, you know, if, if you've if you've broken your leg or, or or something like that or you do need cancer treatment, then, of course, that's very specific. And without that medicine or that treatment, 
that person wouldn't live for as long as they could. And so there's always a place for Western medicine. Um, but the holistic side of things is all about the prevention and it's all about changing your lifestyle so that you hopefully never reach that point of needing the Western medicine. And I think um, everything is needed. Absolutely. Yeah. You said um, you're in the UK, correct? At the moment, yeah. Awesome. Well, it's it's interesting because every month, you know, you get your stats on the podcast, of course, and, and the United States is always our number one. Uh, but number two and three is usually a competition between either like Canada, UK or Australia. So UK is actually winning this month, which is interesting. I'm just curious because I know this isn't the point of the podcast, but it's worth talking about. What is the perspective over there? Because I'm starting to think about like a general American perspective. I do believe a lot more people now are open to the idea that natural might work, Uh, but even more so, which again, is not necessarily a great thing. It's more that Americans are against Western medicine as opposed to being open to the natural side. Like they think the doctor is screwing them over, which I'm not saying is correct. I'm saying that they think that, but they don't have any other solutions like we might have on this podcast. So they still end up subject to it. Do you think people in the UK, are they, are they more naturally minded? Are they thinking about these things or do they just kind of get the diagnosis and do what they're told? I think it's a real mixture, to be honest with you. I think the people that are, you know, more in touch with themselves and who have more self-love, they're the ones that kind of dig deeper and and try and find these natural remedies. And they and people who look after themselves, you know, if, if you love yourself, you look after yourself, mm-hmm. and then you lead a very different kind of lifestyle, and so you start to look for more natural, organic things. Um, but there are people, of course, just like in America as well, who, who don't care, um, who have no self-love. They, they don't look after themselves. Um, they're, they're possibly, you know, overweight or whatever the issue might be. And, you know, they're the ones that end up needing the support of the system. And the difference in America to the UK, of course, is we have the National Health Service. So that's free health care. And people become very reliant and dependent on it. And it means that they don't always take responsibility for their lifestyle. And it's actually putting a lot of strain on the NHS. But I could go off on one here now and talk all about how the government, you know, still sells cigarettes and um, sugary products on the shelf and processed food and things like that. So I'm not going to go off on that tangent, but just to say, you know, um, it's it's not really helping and i i don't think the system is working to promote health and well-being and yeah and well i appreciate you not going off on the tangent but i think that's a good point though because that you that's actually the first even mild critique i've ever heard of the free healthcare thing because well normally like we have uh employees that work in europe and stuff and they'll look at it as almost like primitive or barbaric that we have the healthcare system that we do here i am not making a, a political statement one way or the other but i don't know how we're, we're constantly going back and forth with the debate in america like even in america itself it's debated the free healthcare universal versus um the more private stuff but i'm like why don't we start with this before we debate any of that how about we start with an actual healthcare system as opposed to a sick care system? Because what you just talked about, I think, is a key thing that people miss is since they are so reliant on it and people aren't taking responsibility for their health, it's just adding more and more of a burden. We can all agree. I think even the most um, – I, I don't know what it would be there, but here would be like the most liberal of people would certainly agree that free healthcare, if everyone is sick, 
is not going to work. Um, I actually believe that there's probably a reality where the private stuff or the universal healthcare can work if people are actually getting treated um, with health stuff instead of just sick care stuff once they have a chronic disease or cancer. So I think both of these actually have their validity and you can make a a case for either one, but we can't even start to argue this until we actually have a system that gets people healthy. And I've never heard that perspective of like people just being reliant on this. So there, there, there's almost a thought process then you're saying for some people that, oh, well, health doesn't matter because something will take care of me. I think so. I mean, it's like if you always know that someone's going to be there to catch you when you're when you fall, you know, you're, you're not going to be as careful. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't, obviously that's, I can't generalize it. And that's not, that's not the way everyone thinks. And actually there are some people who do a beautiful job of taking care of themselves. Um, but I just have noticed that, yeah, you know, in, in our, in our society here, that there are some people who, who literally do depend on that. And, and also, you know, the government and things like that, because we do give a lot away way for free but it is a wonderful wonderful system and you know it it's i think it's one of the best things that we've we've got here actually um so yeah interesting perspective thank you all right so going back to your personal story then and we'll talk about what you're doing today 13 years in a career i mean i know back in the day people stuck with things for like 40 years but i think nowadays 13 years actually a good amount of time everyone is normally hopping around a different thing so um, you said yourself, you're surprised sometimes when you see people that were doing the job that you were doing that have been doing it for 20 or 30 years. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the longer you're in something, it's almost hard to leave that. You kind of become, it's routine. It's what you know. There's Even though the t- job is so tough, there's an odd level of comfort in the certainty of what's going to happen that day. Like, okay, yes, I mean, these patients are super sick, but you kind of Again, you know what to expect. So after 13 years, um, what's your what's your final moment? I don't know if it's some big dramatic thing, but there had to be a point where you say, hey, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going and doing something else. So uh, what did that point look like? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, I started to get the sense that this wasn't for me after only uh, probably like six years into hmm. the profession. And what kind of took the kind of pain away, I guess you could say, is the fact that I then turned from being a permanent member of staff to doing agency work, which meant I could just come and go as I please and take a contract wherever I want and stay for as long as I wanted, you know, and and have a rolling contract. So that took the pressure off a bit. But um, I literally, I spent many, many years post those six years trying to work out what the hell it is that I wanted to do. And I thought, you know, again, you, you get guilted and shamed into the fact that, oh, but I've done this degree. I've put all this hard work in, you know, and I'm helping people. So you're, you're fighting with yourself on it because you're like, well, I'm doing a job that's worthwhile. Why can't I be happy with this? Why can't I just accept this? Um, and then it got to the point where, like I said, I got so burnt out and, I like to say that I was living out of alignment with my truest self. It wasn't what I was really, I'm not, I'm really here to do, which I obviously now know. Um, And so because of that, when you're doing something that takes you out of alignment, it completely burns you out. So it deducts your energy, anything that's good for you. um, That's, that's right for you uh, personally will give you energy. And it was just taking and taking and taking. And so I got to the point where I was just so miserable and, you know, it, it, it just took for that moment for me to actually, I think it was actually one of my, one of my best friends who said, you know, but you don't, 
you don't have to do this, do you? You don't have to conform to society. What's stopping you? You know, and, and that was a really key moment for me. And I went, bloody hell, yeah, you're right. Why am I, why am I doing this? Um, and then I also had to wait until I found coaching as well. And so that trickled in very, very slowly. Um, and that's a whole other story. But yeah, I think it was a combination of the fact I got to the point where I was like, I, I can't carry on like this. I'm so unhappy. And and I think this is like the, the crucial transformation point for a lot of people when they actually start asking for help because they reach their breaking point. Because the thought of staying where they are is scarier than the thought of going into the unknown and doing something completely different that they have no idea about. Um, and yeah, this is where, you know, I meet a lot of my clients. <laughs> this is when you want to actually do the coaching. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I got to. And then, um, I, I started doing this, um, well, I got to the point actually of desperation. Um, and then I started to think, oh my God, what can I do? And I was like, I literally need magic and miracles to get out of this situation. And I found this manifestation course um, and something that a lot of people don't know is manifestation uh, actually teaches you about self-love and it's the work that I'd never done before. And I started to uh, go through this course and then I built a lot of, a lot of love for myself. Um, and then it, it made me realize um, that I wanted to help other people figure out this key piece of the puzzle because when I did the self-love work and I you know uh, unpacked all my conditioning and my belief system and my values and my beliefs about the world and I realized oh my god this is just a story I'm telling myself it set me free it set me free and then I was like wow you know I can I can do anything I can be anyone I want to be and that opened my mind up more and then I ended up from that loving the personal development work I got a coach and I was like look I don't know what's wrong but I know I'm stuck somehow I want you to help me get out of it and I want to have more confidence and he was incredible and we didn't even do the whole course we like we did like six weeks of coaching and then after that I was like this is what I want to do I want to be a coach and he's one of best in my belief anyway <laughs> in my personal opinion um and yeah and so then I just offered um the girls that I'd met doing the manifestation course I just said look I don't know what I'm doing but would you like me to coach you um I would love to give it a go and that's how it started for me huh. and it turns out I have a very natural ability with it <laughs> mm-hmm. awesome that's so cool. I love how I, I like the the courage that it takes to do these things because whether or not it's an identical path to a lot of like what our practitioners do, where this perfectly relates is all of our practitioners. I mean, literally every single one was in this separate career that maybe they enjoyed or some of them didn't enjoy it at all. And then they had to make this transition at a certain point to go do the things they want to do. That is, it's very scary for a lot of people. And it does take some courage to go away from that. And I love what your friend said about like, who says you have to do this? Like, why do you have to follow these societal norms? Um, And it's weird. I don't know. I don't know if I got this from somewhere, if I've just always been like that. I feel like I've been that way to the extreme. It's been to my detriment at some point because I'll just go do whatever I want kind of. And and that's that's great in a certain way, but you have to learn to 
to manage that as well so that you could still, you know, fit in with society, make money and, and be productive in that way. But I think it's so cool when there's these people that have these breakthrough moments where it's like, oh, wait, I can just go do a job that I like or I can create something for myself that's like my perfect schedule and, and I can help other people and serve others. I, I think that's just very powerful. So how long did this transition actually take just so I have the timeline from like the day of, hey, I'm not working this job anymore to being able to do your own thing? Or were you starting to do your own stuff while still working at the job? Yeah. So I I started to explore it whilst I was still working in the job. Um, but I also, um, so that would have been back in, when did this all begin? (laughs) Um, well, at that point that would have been when I actually left, um, and I went to Costa Rica, which is a whole new story. Um, that was May, 2021. And that's when things really started to change. And I was still obviously learning about a lot about myself as well at that point, um, so that's really, I suppose, when it start when it began, and and I first started coaching. I think it was like February, March time of twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it hasn't really been a whole lot of time. Um, but as I say, it was just something that came very, very naturally to me. And I think because, you know, I've worked with 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 patients for for so long now as well. Mm-hmm. It's just that that instant rapport and understanding and uh, um, you know intuitive understanding of people. So, so yeah, that, that was, that was the, the beginning. <laughs> so over these last couple of years, I mean, you're right in the grand scheme, I guess two years isn't that long, but in a business side, I mean, you can learn a lot in two years and you develop skills and, and you figure out what you want to do. So nowadays at the time of recording this, who is the client that you like to serve? What problems do you like to solve for people? For those, what I'm trying to say is for those listening, if they're like, okay, well, I like her so far. She seems really cool. Uh, can she help me? Who is it that you serve? Like, what problems do you help them with? Uh, mainly, it's it's people who, well, maybe they don't even realize this, but people who don't feel good within themselves. So people who maybe are people pleasers, they feel uh, underconfident, shy, they don't love themselves. Maybe they're going down the path of self-sabotage with, you know, addictive behavior like drinking, drugs, sex, whatever it is. Um, and people who just genuinely know that they're worth more and they know they have more inside of them, um, more love to give, more to offer the world. But for whatever reason, they just can't move past that point. Um, and so really the main thing that I help people with is how to look after themselves with self-care um, how to love themselves and, you know, doing all the mindset work that goes with that as well. So rewriting the old stories and yeah. the limiting beliefs that they may have. So yeah, people that kind of, it's like, I used to, I used to wake up and I just felt this, this sadness in my heart and this pain. Yeah. It was like a little niggle of pain in my heart. And yeah, I just, I didn't know what it was. And, you know, later I discovered it's because I was living out of alignment with my truest self, with my purpose, with who I'm meant to be. And I wasn't loving or respecting myself. Um, so yeah, those are, I guess, my peeps. <laughs> sure. Well, and I know when I was reading your stuff, self-love is a, is a huge core concept. And we already kind of alluded to this because one of the things you mentioned, you're like, 
people who have self-love look after themselves. Now, you just kind of listed that in the rest of the sentence, but I thought that was pretty important. So yes. know, self-love, again, something that gets thrown around a lot, but what does that what does that mean to you? What does that look like? And because I don't think most people are engaging with self-love. Maybe we always have room for improvement there, but how, how do you even define that? What does that look like? Yeah, great question there, <laughs> Ev. Um, it's being able to accept yourself on every level possible to love all of yourself. So that includes the good, the bad, the pretty, the ugly parts, absolutely everything. It's the ability to be able to trust yourself, n- to know your own self-worth mm-hmm. and to be your biggest cheerleader and to also show your mind, body and soul the the respect and love that it needs. Cool. And so this is a this is kind of a fun topic because the self-love thing, the reason I asked for your definition is because I like that. I think that makes sense. Yeah. One of the things that I see get thrown around a lot, and this is more in like the people that, I don't know, maybe they're like early 20s, I feel like throwing this around. And maybe that's just because what I see on Instagram, I'm not sure. But sometimes the self-love, it, I wonder where the line gets drawn or if this is a misrepresentation, a misrepresentation of self-love. And that's why I'm curious what you think, because there are people that I'm seeing promoting the self-love thing that are clearly very unhealthy, very unwell in what they're doing habit-wise. But the self-love to them means that they will continue those unhealthy habits that are are keeping someone, you know, three or 400 pounds overweight. Now, I want to also put a disclaimer on this so I don't tick anyone off. I am not going against the whole body positivity thing where like someone is clearly not overweight, but they just don't look like you know, a Victoria's Secret model or um, someone is a totally healthy guy, but they don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, you can be healthy and not have model yeah. level bodies. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm referring to the, the guys or girls out there that sometimes you see people who are clearly morbidly obese. It's not even a question. They would meet that. And there's this self-love movement that, well, they put it as self-love. I don't know if this really is where, oh, okay, I need to accept myself as I am, but also I'm going to keep engaging these in these habits that keep me unhealthy. I feel like that's the antithesis of self-love. Now, that doesn't mean you should be judging yourself every single day and saying, oh my gosh, I'm such a piece of crap. That's not what I'm saying at all. But um, I'll speak for myself at least. I had severe cystic acne at one point. That's one of the reasons I got into FDN. I learned to realize that acne does not define who Evan Transu is. I'm still a good friend. I'm still a good family member. I'm still a motivated person who wants the best for others. But I also realized that, yes, severe cystic acne was a warning sign for my body, and nor was it the most attractive thing. Um, I'm just being honest. Not many people wanted to date when I had severe cystic acne. I don't think that makes them bad people. So where does this line get drawn between actual self-love that you're talking about and this self-love that's being promoted online, which I'm sure you've seen this, where I don't think that's actually self-love at all if you're still sick and and you don't feel well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's about being healthy. Um, And at the end of the day, you've got to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. And this is where a lot of people struggle because it's almost like, you know, you don't want to admit that you have a problem because if you're if you're hurting your body, then you're not loving your body, are you? So if you're hurting your body and you're making yourself, you're putting a strain on your body, you're um, raising your your blood pressure because you're overweight or maybe you're, you're smoking every day, you're not really loving yourself. Um, and so I think it's just about being able to have the awareness that 
you know, you don't, you're not healthy and it's time to do something about it. I think it's a difficult one. And I, yeah, I hear what you're saying there. And the line, I guess, can be blurred. But of course, you got to love yourself through that process of, as well. And you got to be honest and think that the reason that you got yourself to this point is because there was no love for yourself. And mm. you got to, you know, what really makes the transformation is finding out where those thoughts actually came from. Because I think until you actually change your beliefs and your values and things like that, and, and your, your limiting beliefs, so what's holding you back from feeling good, um, you're never, ever going to move forward. And also, if you did lose the weight, it's probably going to come back on because you're not getting to the root, you know, core issue. Um, we, you know, if, if, if you truly loved yourself, uh, then you wouldn't be treating your, your body that way. Um, yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And I have a follow-up with it and I'll just, I'll use myself as the example so that I don't come across as, because I'm not at all casting judgment towards other people. I just, I actually want the best for all of us. So that's why I'm bringing it up. So again, I'll use myself. All right. Let's say I'm back in the day when again, severe cystic acne, it's not attractive. It's not pretty. And I, I, there's certain objective things, right? This isn't just subjective, like objectively people were not interested in going on a date with someone who, who looked that way. And I don't really blame them. And I'm talking about myself now, but it's a little different. Listen, if you're already dating the person and someone develops severe cystic acne, yes, you love the person and you work through that. But guys, there's initial attraction. There's things that you, you need to provide to the table initially if you're you're trying to woo over a potential partner. So with that said, I think where this the uh, fake self-love is coming in, where it's like, all right, they continue the bad habits, but they love themselves, is because, yeah, we don't want to feel like crap about ourselves all day. And I know I don't want that either. So let's say I'm working with you. How do we even start to handle this? How could you help me work through, okay, I have the severe acne. We know I have to make different health choices because it's, I need to get myself better. But how can I live a more comfortable life so that I don't go into the mirror every single day hating myself or feeling low? Because I think that's the best of both worlds. I think that's what people are actually looking for. And on one end, they have this. On another end, they have that. We need to merge them. So what would you do for someone like me? Um, I think what I do with you is and what I do with anyone in that situation is to help them positively rewire their brain because uh, you are also in a position where you're not loving yourself and you're being rejected constantly. Um, so, and we would do that by going back and doing a lot of, you know, in a child work, we'd work out sort of why your why where those feelings of of um self-loathing would come from in the first place mm -hmm. so there would be a lot of mindset work involved um but it's also about learning how to create good habits as well and something that i like to do um with a lot of my clients is uh, positive rewiring by means of affirmations and gratitude and so i think you know affirmations can sometimes get a bad rep or like oh you know they don't really work. Um, but people do often unrealistic affirmations. And I think that self-love affirmations are really, really incredible and really powerful. And they do work. And it's been scientifically proven. Proven. So if you stand and, and actually what has more impetus here is if you stood in front of the mirror and you looked yourself dead in the eyes and you said, Evan, I love you. Mm -hmm. and and then you started saying I am doing the best I can so that's like an example of an affirmation uh, I love myself regardless of my acne 
Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> you know, so you're saying things like that. Um, and I'd probably create um, a list or help help my client come up with a list themselves of what they want to say to themselves. So we take like maybe um, a negative and we turn it into a positive. And then what you need to do with affirmations is, and this is the neuroscience bit, is you want to repeat them. Because if you say that once, it's probably going to make you go, yeah, maybe, or maybe I don't believe it. And even if you're saying something to yourself that you don't believe, that's okay. It doesn't matter because this still works. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that it takes between 30 to 90 days to, to rewire your way of thinking. Um, And so it's all about repetition, and when you repeat, you're building the neurosynaptic pathways. So it's like a rubber band, like you fire more neurons and the band gets thicker. So it means that naturally you're, you're basically reprogramming yourself. Sure. And it means that your default is going to go to there instead of going to the negative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one huge thing I would do um, is affirmations. Awesome. And and yeah, I like that because it shows that, okay, cool, we can still be accepting of ourselves in the moment, which I eventually learned. And I think that's important. I was not less of a person because of this, but there can still be, again, going to the dating thing, there can still be objective truths and things that attract people and don't attract people. And I can work through that. In fact, one of the only ways to really effectively work through it is to accept yourself as you are in that time. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that makes a lot of sense. With the clients that you work with nowadays, do you find that a lot of them are dealing with some type of chronic health symptoms? Because I, I imagine that's part of your work. Um, in well, the clients I've had so far, I haven't come across that. I'm just thinking okay. back to, um, there was actually one person who I coached right at the beginning for free. And I think, well, she wasn't ready really for the coaching. And maybe I was a, a, a um, in a bit above my head, but, um, <laughs> I remember she, she struggled with, um, I'm trying to remember now it was yeah anxiety and and depression and at the time of coaching her she later revealed to me I didn't know she was actually suicidal Hmm. um who knows if I helped her there from you know preventing her to actually take her in life I don't know and I you know that would be amazing if that was the case um but yeah that was like probably the worst sort of um mental health issue that I was dealing with although yeah I didn't really know I was dealing with it so probably not the best example but mainly it's just this um this this lack of confidence really within oneself and you know it's difficult isn't it because I think we blur the lines with mental health quite a lot because you know you can have days where you feel down you can have days where you feel depressed or you can be suicidal and I think when you're not feeling good within yourself, that is in itself um, meaning that you're you're dysregulated mentally. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is where it's difficult, you know, the therapist coach situation here, <laughs> because, you know, somebody who's not at the point of suicide, yeah, I can definitely help um, because they're not that bad. Um, but I just wanted to say that as well. You know, it's important to recognize that everybody goes through a mental health issue or a mental health disorder at some point in their life. Like it is a normality um, and it's OK. And so for anyone listening, I want you to know that you are normal. Um, it does not make you abnormal. 
Um, everybody goes through this at some stage of their life. Sure. Wow. That's powerful. I was asking because to connect this all together, you know, as we get to our last 10 minutes here, roughly, I was seeing if you notice any common themes in people who dealt with the chronic health issues, because that's part of our audience. But where I'm almost seeing, I'm like, duh, this is actually where the supplies even more. If you're helping a lot of people really work through the confidence side, then I already know what we need to talk about for the last 10 minutes. Our practitioners, as wonderful as they are, they are super smart. They'll take all the courses. They go through FDN. They have a system that they know that works. And yet some of them soar to the top in business and stuff, six figures, killing it, love what they do. And then others will be with us for two, three years, hanging out in the groups, um, and they barely get one or two clients. And I and But they have the same systems and same certifications. So I know it's not because that the other half is like bad people or doing something wrong. I really do think it's this lack of belief in themselves and what they offer, uh, despite them having a system that they know works because it worked for them. So where, like, I, I feel like you probably have something to offer those people in a sense in her, to help, uh, in terms of helping them actually like get started with their business and realizing they are worth doing this work, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really all comes down to self-belief and, you know, especially as an entrepreneur myself and starting my own business, if you don't believe in yourself, um, then, you know, you can't expect other people to either. Um, in terms of growing your self-belief, it's about pushing through your zone of discomfort, I guess, and not giving up on yourself. Um, and, and that can be like really, really difficult to do. Um, for me, for example, um, I used to be so so shy and so anxious and in social situations I would literally want to just run away and cry and I was so worried about what I would say that would be the wrong thing um mm -hmm. like I just didn't trust myself at all that my opinion was valid um and I always thought I was in the wrong and the only way I got through that is by putting myself in my zone of discomfort I forced myself to be in those situations and I kept showing up and kept showing up until it became easier and then eventually my my self-belief grew and so I think a big part of it is is facing those hurdles dead on and also just again affirmations are really powerful I mean I do find them powerful you know just telling yourself that I am capable I am worthy I am powerful um, I am doing the best I can and, and it sounds like nothing but if you say that every day to yourself then it is really, really powerful. Um, and another aspect to that is um, understanding that I do believe that there is, I don't like to call it God or whatever, but I think there's some form of like universal intelligence out there. And because of things that have, I've been through and having a spiritual awakening, I used to be an atheist um, and I had a spiritual awakening. I was like, oh, well, I was definitely wrong about that. And it helped me to realize that I'm not alone and that actually you do have a lot more support out there than you realize. And so sure. I think having faith in something and knowing that you are divinely guided and supported, I think that also really, really helped me. Um, and there were lots of signs along the way that would, um, you know, come up that would make me go, oh, okay, so yeah, I'm doing the right thing or 
I'm being listened to, I'm being supported. So yeah, that's just another angle I wanted to bring in there, take it or leave it. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I believe in the guidance, I call it something different, and don't we all, right? But there, there there is a guidance there, in my opinion. And I think what happens is, it's it's scary to follow that because it doesn't seem logical at first, especially with our group of people. We have a lot of science-based, logical-type people. That's why they got into this work. And my gosh, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir right now. That That is me. I am that person. But as I learned to trust these little nudges that I would get, and I realized it, it never once has steered me wrong. It always put me in the right place. I'm like, wow, okay, I need to listen to this. I need to keep doing what this is saying because it keeps taking me to better and better things and it helps me help more and more people. So I think um, if nothing else, just learning to trust that, the, the rest seems to work out itself. It's very odd, uh, very cool as well, how that seems yeah, to work. Yeah, I mean, the, what um, you're talking about The one about thing I had to ask is, you before, again, this using is your uh, over today, is I, I know we have to be respectful of clients' privacy. So to the degree that you're able, I'm wondering, is there any particular client testimonial or, or story or just thing that happened with the client that uh, you're really proud of and that really sticks out? I always like for people to be able to highlight some of the cool work that they've done with people. Uh, yes, uh, it just cut out on the beginning bit of that. Um, but I think you were just what you, you were just saying to t- say something about one of my clients that I'm proud of. Yeah. Yes, basically, yeah. When it, to the degree that you're able, because I know privacy, we want to respect that. But like one of maybe your favorite client stories that uh, you've had so far. Um, yeah, I mean one one of my favorite client stories is probably um, so one of my one of my friends actually was going through um, a really difficult time with her partner. And she'd been physically and verbally abused, um, more verbally, but there was some physical abuse as well. And she was caught in this toxic pattern, in this toxic cycle. And I obviously knew she's she's an amazing person, like loved by many, um, beautiful soul, beautiful heart. She can do so much better. And also she doesn't deserve, of course, to be treated that way. And it was only through my coaching that it gave her the confidence to leave him. And it took a long time, actually. Um, so it was maybe, I think, six months, six to eight months after we finished working together. Because obviously, when you do this work, you're changing your internal state and you're changing your mind, literally, and your mindset. And so it always stays with you. This is why this work is so powerful. You know, it keeps going forever. So um, you'll never be the same again. And and basically, it also sometimes needs time to, to sink in and for that person to feel safe within their body in order to take um, different action. And so anyway, she got to the point where she left him and now she's absolutely thriving. Her business is doing incredibly well and she's just so much happier. She's like glowing inside out. And she's actually saying no to the things that are bad for her. And I'm just so like proud of her. And I'm just so grateful that I could, I could help her. And it made me realize, you know, just how powerful this whole process is giving somebody that amount of self-belief and self-love. That's awesome, Kat. And that's not even the route that I thought we were going to go. So I appreciate it even more. Well, because that stuff matters, man. When you're with someone that is bringing you down, like the partner thing is either the biggest win or the biggest loss because they are either going to strip you of what you are or they are going to support you in in doing your thing and and being the best that you can. And it amplifies either of those to like the 10th power. It's crazy. So I, I can't. 
I can't even imagine like how much more rich this woman's life is by, you know, being able to be, to be freed of that. So it's cool. I mean, you even said how much richer it got, basically you described the things that have happened, but there, there's just a freedom there that, that comes from that. I've been on both ends. You know, I've been the person that didn't realize that they were not with someone who was ideal for them. And unfortunately, especially in high school, I was the person bringing the other individual down. So I, I've done both things. And when you're with the right person, I'm with uh, a wonderful uh, individual now. It's it's cool. It's like, oh, wow, this is actually fun. This isn't stressful. <laughs> you know, I think so many people are like stressed out of their relationships. And you're like, yeah, nah, it doesn't really have to be that way. I mean, you're going to have hiccups just like anyone else. But no, like 90% of the time can be awesome. And you're just helping each other uh, grow in every single sense. So that's that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. And I, I just sort of say maybe think, you know, the 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 kind of really key thing and, and this may be hard for some people to hear, but if you are in a relationship that's not serving you, that's making you feel like less of a person or devaluing you in any way or even taking your energy, it is not right for you. But you also have to recognize that your cho- it's your choice to remain there. And only through loving yourself, starting to love yourself, will you have the confidence to leave that person and to get out And because you know that you deserve more. So I just wanted to put that message out there because I felt like maybe someone needs to hear that. Thank you. And Kat, where can people find you and your business? You can shout out social media, anything. Of course, we'll have it in the show notes, but it's always good for people to get to hear it. Sure, absolutely. So um, if you want to have a laugh, um, my Instagram is full of ridiculous reels that talk about self-love and self-care and mindset work. And that's the well-being wanderer. And that's spelled W-A-N-D-E-R-E-R, like wandering, not wandering. Um, and then I have a website, um, uh, the dash wellbeingwanderer.com. So you can find out, I put my full story on there, lots of free resources as well. Um, and all the ways in which we can work together. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today and giving this unique perspective. I think this is, uh, especially for a lot of the people who suffer with the chronic illness stuff, this stuff matters. And if this just even opens their eyes to maybe this being something to consider in their healing journey, I think that's, uh, that's totally worth it. So thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. 